This is exchanges at Goldman Sachs, where people from our firm share their insights on developments currently shaping markets, industries, and the global economy. I'm Jake Seward, Global Head of Corporate Communications here at the firm. Today, I'm joined by Dina Powell, who is president of the Goldman Sachs Foundation and head of our impact investing business. We're going to discuss community development and small business finance and how it's helping spur an economic revival in New Orleans. Dina, welcome to the program. Delighted to be here. You know, we're going to focus today on one of the programs that you oversee, and that is 10,000 Small Business, particularly the impact it's had in New Orleans, uh, where we've been operating for some time. Talk a little bit about how the foundation came to focus on small business and what we try to do with that program. Sure. Well, over the last several years, we have really believed that the best investment Goldman Sachs can make through our foundation is empowering entrepreneurs to reach their potential. When they do, they are the best drivers of economic growth and job creation. 10,000 Small Businesses is a program co-chaired by our CEO, Lloyd Blankfein, Warren Buffett, Michael Porter of Harvard Business School, and Michael Bloomberg. And they have really pushed us to think about what it is that grows small businesses. And we believe that the secret sauce is bringing together business education, access to capital, and technical assistance. Nowhere has this been exemplified more than in New Orleans, a city that obviously suffered a great devastation and is now one of the best labs of entrepreneurship in the country. We've worked with over 300 business owners, some of them family businesses, some of them new businesses. These were business owners who had the passion, had the drive, had the great business model. They just needed some support to really go to the next level. And so talk a little bit about the education component. What is it that we're trying to help the entrepreneurs solve for? Sure. And how does the program actually work? This is really a growth business program. And by that, I mean we are focused on existing businesses who believe that with the right support, they can scale, both in terms of their workforce, their revenue growth, and their impact in community. So through Delgado Community College in New Orleans, we've been able to implement a very pragmatic growth business curriculum. Elements of it include negotiations, access to capital, leadership, financial planning. And what we have found is that this Babson-created curriculum, which is the number one entrepreneurial college now around the world, is really helping business owners ask the question, where do I want to be in five years? And that's sort of the central question that you hear from our business owners, particularly in New Orleans where there was great challenge, but now there's enormous opportunity. There's a robust small business community, and we think that the educational piece delivered by community colleges in our country can really help these business owners get the knowledge they need to grow. And these are successful business owners already That's right. that are looking to scale up. That's right. So uh, they're businesses that have been operating for at least two years, have at least four employees, um, have really already proven the business model. And now, in many cases, they've hit a plateau. Some of them, by the way, are family businesses passed down through generations. And if you really provide them with pragmatic business education, access to capital, and technical assistance through advising from Goldman Sachs professionals and local business advisors, that is really what propels them to reach their potential. So talk a little bit about the challenges facing small business today. What are the kinds of challenges they're facing in today's economic environment? Sure. When we think about economic growth in our country, small businesses are central to the agenda. But they do face a lot of challenges. 
The first is they tend to be siloed. You know, it's a lonely thing being a small business owner. You're trying to meet payroll, you're managing your staff, you're looking for growth opportunities. So I think one of the things that this program addresses is building a network of small business owners. We were so proud to see that the cohorts that come together actually end up doing business with each other. So 75% of the graduates of 10,000 small businesses actually do business together and have created a marketplace. Access to capital remains a challenge. So that was one challenge we really sought to address. And when you graduate from 10,000 small businesses, you actually hold in your hand the most important thing that you can have when you're applying for a loan, which is a growth business plan that's been reviewed by a Goldman Sachs business advisor or a volunteer from Goldman Sachs. And so taking that business plan to a CDFI, to a bank, really makes the case that you know where you want to go with your business and why you need the capital to get there. So we've had some of these programs benchmarked and studied. Babson College, which is very respected in the space, did a study on the impact of 10,000 small business. What was most striking to you about the findings of that report, which was released recently? First of all, this is really particularly interesting data because this data is 18 months after the businesses have graduated. So we track the business owners from baseline when they get into the program at six months and then at 18 months. Obviously, we were very pleased to see that the growth continued with these business owners. 67% of the participants reported increasing their revenues just six months after graduating. And then 46% reported creating net new jobs. And we were able to actually validate this data. I would say the numbers that continue to inspire us are the graduation rates and the marketplace creation. So 99% of 10,000 small business program participants nationwide complete the program, which is pretty compelling because these are very busy people. They have day jobs. They have day jobs. They don't have enough people to do the jobs they already have. They have to take four to six months of every other Saturday doing these modules plus clinics, plus write that growth business plan that they have to have to graduate. I think what it tells us is that there's real value in the program. Dina, the program 10,000 Small Business is really all over the United States now and in the United Kingdom. But why New Orleans? New Orleans has been a big focus of this program for a long time, and why have we been so happy operating there? Well, New Orleans is an American city that so many people care deeply about, and certainly our own people at Goldman Sachs after Katrina were eager to go and volunteer and help after the tragedy. But over the years, we've actually invested more than $200 million in investing in community revitalization in New Orleans. So we've had a long history and a long love of the city of New Orleans. The other uh, main reason is that this program operates most effectively when you have strong local leadership. The leadership of Mayor Mitch Landrieu, Delgado Community College, Bill Bynum, who runs Hope Enterprise and we believe is one of the best CDFIs in the country. We really felt that there was a strong ecosystem that we could really invest in to deliver this program and to make sure that it was very effective. Dina, we're now joined by two very special guests we're fortunate to have with us today. Kristen Moore, the CEO and owner of Cook Me Something Mister, and Barrett Wiley, the owner of Cleaning Concierge. They both graduated from the 10,000 Small Business Program in New Orleans. Kristen and Barrett, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you very much. So we heard a little bit from Dina about the small business community in New Orleans. And as two people who live there every day, talk a little bit about what it's like to be an entrepreneur in New Orleans today. I'll tell you, in New Orleans today is so much different, not only from pre-Katrina, but from New Orleans 30 years ago. 
I grew up in a family business. My dad's an entrepreneur. And he tells me every day, Kristen, if I had the resources like you have today to build a business in New Orleans, we would be in a different place today. So that sticks with me and I take advantage of every opportunity. It's almost like the red carpet's been rolled out for small businesses in New Orleans. And the environment for small businesses is now one that you know, is about inclusion and no idea is, is off the wall. If, if you have an idea, explore it. It may not be an opportunity for you, it may not be a business, but you have some resources to throw it on the wall and see if it sticks. Because before, you, your parents or in that generation, they went to work and you might have had your own business, but it was always doing things the exact same way. There was no challenging of, you know, am I doing it the right way? Can I do it better? How can I do it different? No one was asking questions. It was pretty much Groundhog Day, just day in, day out. I'm gonna do the same thing. My kid's gonna take over. He's gonna do it the exact same way I do it. But now it's, I think I can do it better. It's trying to innovate, even in something as small as changing the method. But it can transform your business. It transform your thinking about your business and about things in general. So why did you start a business? I started a business because I wanted to employ myself and I didn't want anyone to control my destiny anymore. It was gonna be on my hands. If I sink or swim, it's my fault, my reward. If I sunk, I had to get a job. But then I started my business, or the, or the idea for my business came after I cleaned the house for my wife for our anniversary. And I used traditional cleaning products, and I couldn't take it. I cleaned the room with traditional cleaner and had to go outside and take a breath. Then I started researching green cleaning and came back a week later to clean the house. I'm like, oh, this, this work is an option. And then it just snowballed from there. Very interesting. Kristen, how about you? Why did you start your business? My business is my passion. It's my history. It's kind of a culmination of a lot of experience in my life. And I never considered myself to come in here and be a food manufacturer, but I grew up in the food business. My initial product is a jambalaya rice mix that we package in New Orleans working with Chef Paul Prudhomme. So I grew up around this environment. And the business idea came to me during Hurricane Katrina. I was evacuated and wanted to do something to help. Had the cooking equipment with me, and I do what we always do best when we need to help out. I started cooking jambalaya, and we ended up traveling the country. I put together a tailgating fundraiser. I'm fresh out of college, not knowing what my future holds, and went to college universities and cooked my dad's recipe and ended up raising $100,000 for the recovery wow. effort in New Orleans. And in that moment is when I saw the connection, how much people were really craving Craving that New Orleans flavor, and I knew something was there. It took me a while to get it all together, but this is where I want to be as an ambassador for our city, our culture, and now I have my own product and business to grow and bring that impact back to the city. So Barrett, you started cleaning a house, your mm -hmm. own house. Yeah. How did you move into schools and other institutions? I moved to schools, it was uh, other institutions was by focus on commercial cleaning. And then during commercial cleaning, I was looking for ways to increase our profits, increase demand, and try to get away from the basic janitorial services. And I want to do something that was a little bit more impactful. So then we saw post-construction cleaning as a growth opportunity going through the program. Um, I was able to gain my disadvantaged business certification, which allowed me to be eligible to bid on government contracts and some you know, high private contracts that have city funding and initiatives behind it. And then once that happened, I got my DB certification through the state and through the federal, through the New Orleans airport. Went to construction sites, knocked on doors, 
and was able to land two contracts cleaning two schools. And I have crews uh, cleaning those schools at the moment. So talk a little bit about the challenges you alluded to, but talk about the challenges you faced when you were starting the business from scratch. Not only just starting the business, I really did take advantage of a lot of the resources locally. I mean, I started my business with assistance from the Small Business Development Center. Mm -hmm. And then I went on to working with Axion, now Lift Fun, and reached out to the Southern U.S. Trade Association, Good Work Network. I mean, that's what I'm talking about, this red carpet. There are just so many partners in the city that come together. And I, it was my business consultant, Diane Sclafani. She also comes from the food industry in New Orleans. Her family instituted a school of cooking for New Orleans. She has been pushing me all the way, and I finally just hit a point. It was my fourth year in business when I applied to the Goldman Sachs program that I had to hit a wall. I had survived on my passion and my drive and as much experience as I had in retail and food distribution and just got myself to that point. But Diane encouraged me to apply for it because I didn't know where to go next. I knew that I could keep going, but I just didn't know what that next step was. There were so many ways I could have gone. So I was thankful to be able to apply for that program to help me answer those challenges on how to grow it. I didn't know what I had. I had a diamond in a rough and didn't even realize it. Both of you talked about how the city's changed a lot since Katrina um, and become a mecca for entrepreneurs. How is the city different for those of us who don't live there every day? How does it feel different 10 years on? To me, it feels different because there's an influx of new ideas. Like the culture and the soul of New Orleans is still there because the native people are still there. But now when you have other people coming in with fresh ideas and, and new ways of doing things, and now it's opportunity if your eyes are open, if you're open to change. I'll reiterate that as well because Baron and I both grew up in New Orleans. We both went to high school in New mm -hmm. Orleans and we see the change now. But the other thing I can speak to is just the buzz and everyone just craving that piece of New Orleans. Everyone craving that flavor of New Orleans across the world. And many of that is thanks to the efforts of the small businesses in the city. The government, Mitch Landry actually, that's a part of his platform too, is just promoting the culture of our city. And I'm just fortunate that I naturally found that connection. And there's just so many more channels now, right place, right time, that I'm ready to help New Orleans export that culture. And we have people from Australia that are our customers that are talking to us now that they know and want, oh, this is a family recipe from New Orleans. We want a piece of that. <laughs> I want to help to deepen that connection with our city and with our culture. So what are the next steps for your business? Are you opening a branch in Australia or? <laughs> well, we are. I mean, I, I can say that we've already successfully started to distribute internationally. And predominantly our distribution, I mean, I'm only 16 months out of the program. We're still predominantly across the Gulf Coast area, but we've launched now on Amazon Prime and we're growing with our current customers product line extension. It's got my daddy's jambalaya, gonna have my mama's gumbo soon. <laughs> and then of course even adapt to some of the fresh food options. My mission now too is to bring in some healthier alternatives to traditional New Orleans food. So I um, have some product development and I realized that I can only go so far and go in front of so many stores with my cast iron pot to promote our culture and our, our cuisine. But now I have teams of people that I believe in that can reiterate what we represent. So that's going to be a big part of it. So hopefully I'll be up here again next year with some distribution, some grocery stores that we can go meet up and, and see my products in. That'd be great. <laughs> and Barrett, how about you? What's, what's next for your business? Next for my business is to branch out into water restoration and remediation services. Because again, in New Orleans, we have 
natural disasters, you know, a lot of rain and, the, you know, just the moist climate. So that can definitely help us get people back in their homes as fast as possible and businesses as well. Um, and we're looking at branching out into other markets, like in southeast Louisiana, open up other locations of cleaning concierge. Dina, some closing thoughts from you. What's next for 10,000 Small Business? How would you like to see the program grow? Well, this Friday marks an important milestone for 10,000 small businesses. We actually will reach the 5,000th business owner in the program. This initiative is modeled after our global program, 10,000 Women, which we started in 2008. And uh, in that initiative, once we started nearing reaching the 10,000th woman, and we had obviously seen the results of the program and transparently reported on those results, we were delighted when we had a chance to scale it with co-investment opportunities. And I think we're hoping to see how we can scale this program to way beyond 10,000 with partners who want to co-invest with us around the country. The numbers are one thing, but the stories of entrepreneurs like Kristen and Barrett are really what keep us motivated. I mean, 5,000 stories like theirs, which really makes you feel good about the American dream. That's great. Thank you so much for joining us. Kristen, Barrett, your stories are amazing, and we enjoyed having you here today. That concludes this episode of Exchanges at Goldman Sachs. We hope you join us again next time. I'm Jake Seward. Thanks for listening. This podcast was recorded on July 28, 2015. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast is not financial research, nor a product of Goldman Sachs Global Investment Research. Neither Goldman Sachs nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Goldman Sachs, and Goldman Sachs is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Goldman Sachs to that listener, nor to constitute such person a client of any Goldman Sachs entity.